Praise the living Jesus. Um, shall we have our seats? Um, let's say a short prayer. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to gather here once again. That even as we continue, that you shall open our hearts to the word you have for us in Jesus' name. And even me that I speak, I shall not speak on my own accord. That you shall speak through me and use me as your vessel in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we're going to be continuing from James. Um, in James part one, we learned about trials and temptations. We learned that perfection is not a lack of weakness, that it deals with maturity and completeness. And we also learned that temptation helps to try our faith. And that's what kept patience in us. And we learned that good gifts comes from God. And God is always looking in so many ways to uplift us. Today we're going to be continuing in that same theme. And I title today's message, it starts with Revelation. And I want us to turn to James chapter 1 from verse 19 to 27. Are we there? Okay, James chapter 1 from verse 19 to 27. I read. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, it is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgeteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. If any man among you seem to be righteous, sorry, religious, and burdeth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God. And the father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. Praise the Lord. Um, um, James was continuing in the same theme. Coming off from verse 18, it talks about how we are the first fruit of his creature, you know. And a Christian is someone who has been begotten anew. And James is drawing our attention 
emphasizing that we should carefully heed to the word of truth. And what is this word of truth? The word of truth is the gospel. And in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15, it says, I have begotten you in Jesus Christ through the gospel. And James is laying emphasis on the fact that we should take note of this. We should take note and to be careful with the word of God, with the word of truth. Um, not just on an individual level, but also on how we relate with our fellow Christians. And James started to talk about some things as we dive deeper in today's teaching. It says, wherefore, my brethren, it's very interesting that um, we as Christians, we've, we've imbibed the word, my brethren, but um, my brother, my brethren, my brother, my brother. Um, it's interesting that um, um, the rabbis, the teachers of that time, usually called a, a born Jew, my brethren, or a proselyte, a new convert, but not necessarily refer to that to the Gentiles because the Gentiles were non-Jewish. So um, Christians imbibe this from the Jews to fellow Christians, you know, so anyone who has accepted Jesus now is regarded as my brethren. And James is trying to paint the picture and make it clear that he's talking to fellow Christians on how they should walk. I want us to turn to Ecclesiastes 5 from verse 1 and 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. If someone is there, they can read. One and two says, walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth and let not, not your heart Utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Praise the Lord. Um, if you look at the manual um, in the beginning of the conduct of hearing, it says that there's a clear difference between hearing and listening. Um, one involves having an active absorption of the word and allowing that word to perform its work. And why the other doesn't leave room for the word to be activated. And James is, you know, laying emphasis that we should take heed of the word, be, be quick to hear, be slow to speak. We need to allow the word to be digested. We need to meditate on the word. Oftentimes, the mind receives information and the spirit receives revelation. And what I mean by that is, as I'm speaking now, what is being received is a new information. For it to become a revelation, it has to sink into our spirit. It's almost as if the spirit and the soul, there's a back and forth transmission going on. So you receive an information, you meditate on it, you allow it to sink in, sink into your spirit. And you get a deep revelation from that. 
And what happens is that from the spirit, it also goes back to the soul, back to the will, which is in the soul, and takes direction and leads to appropriate actions. Um, man is a triune being, and what that means is that man is made of the body, spirit, and soul. And it was God's plan from the start for the spirit to feed the soul. And what James is trying to draw on here is that we need to allow the word to do its work. We need to allow the word to do its work. We need to meditate on it. We need to soak it in. And many a times, the word doesn't, doesn't really become revelation to some people. Mainly for two reasons that I highlighted here. One, people who talk away the message once it's received. What I mean by that is, um, in a church setting, for example, um, a word is going on, the minister is teaching, and a lot of people are being distracted. You know, the minister mentions one point, and they tap the person beside them, and they're like, okay, do you want to see what the minister said? And before you know it, the minister has gone on from that point and to the other point, and they missed what is being said. And a lot of times, the church always plays its part. And what I mean by that is that the church will always, a true church will always, you know, make room for things like audio files, podcasts, so that they can go back and not allow what they hear here to be the end. Go back to meditate on it, to let it sink in, you know, and not just do away with it. The second part of people are people who hear it and revolt against it in anger. And the question you might ask is, why do they revolt against it in anger? I want us to turn to Proverbs 14, verse 17. Someone is there they can read. Fourteen, seventeen. Yes. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. Praise the Lord. Um, why do people hear the word and they revolt against it in anger? Number one, people who take in the word and assume that the person that is ministering is singling them out and pointing fingers. So essentially, they take the, the word with the notion of, oh, this person is singling me out. This person is trying to, not realizing that it's the word that is doing its work, convicting them. And the second set of people are people who already have a closed mind and think that the word is, they are above the word or they've heard it so many times, and I mean, we're talking about faith again. I've heard faith so many times. We're talking about deliverance again. How many times are we going to talk about deliverance? How many of us ever get the new equipment and read the manual instructions? Nobody. Nobody, okay. Okay, let's paint a scenario, for example. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> we have someone. So let's paint a picture, for example. You, maybe you bought a new rice cooker. You've had a rice cooker before, but you bought a new one, a new make, a new model. And because you're already like thinking to yourself, well, I already have, I know how to use a rice cooker because I had one before, you know, and you just uh, forget to read the manual. And two years, three years, the warranty has expired, so you cannot return it back again. And all of a sudden, you're cooking, and the light is blinking yellow. And you come into the kitchen, and you go into panic mode. And you're like, okay, what's happening? What's happening? And you try to, try to look for the manual instruction, like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And you now start to go to your phone, looking at the make, Google, what is, this is the make, okay, what, what does this mean, you know? And all those things could be avoided if you actually read the manual in the first place. And a lot of people approach, that, approach the word of God in that way. Only when they're in panic mode, that's when they, they, they see the word of God. And the word of God, it's still the same before you went into the panic mode and even after the panic mode. And James is highlighting that we need to not run with our emotions when it comes to the word. We need to allow the word to do its work. You can't run with passion when it comes to the word of God. You can't, you know, be, be so quick. You have to allow it sink in. You have to allow it sink in. And that's what James was talking about here. The conduct of hearing. You need to meditate on the word and you need to allow it to do its work. And James moves further into what I call the conduct of doing. So he's like, yeah, we've, we've, we've hashed on the conduct of hearing, but that's, that's not all it is. There's, there's more to it. There's more to it. And in verse 22, it says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers, only deceiving your own self. It's not enough to be a hearer of the word. You have to act on what you've heard. Many a times we say the Christian life is not passive. It's very active. The natural response for a word that has been sunk in, for a word that you have meditated and digested, is action. It's appropriate action. Obedience to that word. If we look at Romans 2 from verse 13. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 2 from verse 13, and it says, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Amen. And James here is pointing the importance of obedience. In 23, it says, For if any 
be a hearer of the word and not a doer. He's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholding himself and goeth his way and straight away forgetting what manner of man he was. Obedience is the key that unlocks the word of truth. If the word of truth is unlocked inside of you, you will never forget it. It will become your reality. It will become your testimony. It will become your identity. Someone who takes God's word, maybe someone who has had cancer or spinal cord injury, and takes God's word and meditates on it, you know, and takes appropriate action and gets healed, will never forget what has happened, what has transpired is that that person now can identify himself that, okay, yes, this is my testimony. The God I know is the God that heals. You will never forget it. Hearing and doing of God's word go hand in hand. It's almost like uh, a true or false statement. If you are the hearer of God's word, you also need to be a doer of his word. You know, you can't do one without the other. If you're doing the word and you're not hearing it, it's false. If you're hearing it and you're not doing it, it's also false because the two are in line with one another. There must be an inward practice of meditation and an outward practice in true obedience to God's word. And in verse 25, it talks about how, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. And what James was referring to was to the gospel. If we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, from verse 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 3, from verse 17 and 18, it says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where there is spirit of the Lord, is there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord excuse me, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. James was referring here to the gospel, as I said earlier, not referring it to the law based on requirements or enforced by sanction but rather a declaration of the righteousness and salvation by Christ and the promise that we've come to, you know, attain eternal life through Christ. And it was laying emphasis that you can't essentially separate um, obedience from the law of liberty. If we say that obedience comes from the spirit and it is helped by the spirit of God, the law of liberty also comes from the spirit and is also activated by true obedience. Obedience is a key word I want to highlight here. 
um, there's a song I used to sing when I was growing up. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately and joy you will receive. And James was highlighting that, yeah, we've talked about meditating on the word. We've talked about allowing the word to sink in. But it doesn't stop there. You need to also act on it. Many a times we say this prayer, Lord, let me not be hearer of your word, but also doer of the word as well. And it has almost become like a mantra. Some churches, okay, that's the prayer. Because there's something that needs to be done. When a revelation has been received, it leads to new direction. So what I mean by it, you can't receive a revelation and it doesn't spur you to do something. It doesn't spur you to act on it. It's will. It's will. From Genesis to Revelation, everything in the Bible spurs us to act. Not just to hear it, but to act on those words. If we are patterning our lives in line with the Savior, Jesus Christ, then there are certain things we must do and should do. And James kept laying emphasis on this, that all this are in line, all this are part of the conduct of what a true religion looks like. And they are not, they are not separate, they are all together. James further moves on, moves on further in verse 26 to 27, and he started to talk about the conduct of speaking. The conduct of speaking. And in verse 26, it says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and burdeleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, the man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God. And the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Religious exercise can never substitute when it comes to obedience to the command of God. The first question is, what does religion have to do with burdling the tongue? Because that's the first thing he said. It was like, what's the, what's the correlation between those two? The world will define religion as centered on man and focuses on how man's attempt, how man finds approval, how man, you know, does it in his own efforts to reach God. But Christianity, on the other hand, doesn't focus on that. Christianity focuses on God making a way for us to now have a relationship with him. And James is laying emphasis on burdling the tongue because the tongue is the vocal organ of the heart. Many a times in the Bible, you know, especially in Proverbs and Psalms, it says death and life and the power of the tongue. You know, 
and kept on laying emphasis on the tongue out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's like, why, why does the Bible highlight on this? Because the tongue is the vocal organ of the heart. The tongue is, it, 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 it's tied to the heart. And it's the one that, you know, gives the expression of our true character. In Sunday school, we're learning about the characters of the saints. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. And we can talk about the characters of the saints because we see the characters in Jesus. And James is laying emphasis on this, that religious acts and religious duties, there's nothing wrong in it, but if your heart is not in line, then all those things do not matter. Our doing, our speaking reflects on who we are. And James is laying a clear distinction of what, what a vain religion looks like and what a pure religion looks like. If you look at um, Luke, I think chapter 18, you know, you can, you can read it later. I was talking about how um, a Pharisee and a publican went into the temple and went in the temple to pray and the Pharisee, you know, was thanking God that, thank God I'm not like this, like a robber. Thank God I'm not, you know, adulterous or unjust. And I'm not even like this, this person beside me. And the other man couldn't even lift his eyes onto heaven. And all he was just saying is, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, have mercy upon me. And it didn't just start from what he said. Something has already started to happen in the heart because of how he saw himself. And James is trying to help us understand that it's not just every external act or duties equates to obedience to the word of truth. That it has to tally with an inward character. You can't just base true religion on just external acts and duties. Because that's, that's how the, word, the world sees religion, other sets of religion. It's just based on man's efforts, man's duties, man's action. But true religion is a combination of external acts based on an inward character, unblemished in the sight of God. Because all other forms of external acts or duties are just mere forms of ritualism. Because it has to be based on something. It's very interesting that in 2019, when the COVID hit, the world, everybody was saying, be kinder, be nicer, be more loving. If you are kind before, make it extra, you know, because people are going through a lot, you know. People are losing their jobs, losing their families, and all of that. But the foundation of 
of that was because of something happened, COVID hit. So that's, that's the foundation of what they were holding on to. But for Christians, it doesn't really change, COVID or no COVID, because all these things, characters of the saint, obedience, mercy, forgiveness, are things that we found in our Lord. And they are things that we should live by on a daily basis. And James was helping them to understand this, to really see themselves that all these things are tallied together, hearing, speaking, and doing. They also relate to trials and temptation because when you are in the heat of the moment, what are you meditating on? What has sunk in? That's where it starts. And that's why I said, I call title this, it starts with revelation. Because what have you allowed to sink in? It's what drives every other thing. It's what drives your actions. It's what drives what comes out of your mouth. If that has not been taken care of, then it's almost as if we're not in line. Because the only thing that is unblemished in the sight of God is something that is from God. And James was helping us understand this and making us see that this is what true religion looks like. It's not just about the external acts and duties. And yes, they are great. Give your tithes, you come to church. But all those things... They do not tally if you exclude obedience to God's word or if you exclude living a holy life. And the tongue is a powerful instrument. And be careful and be mindful of what you say is very essential. And these are all tied together. When we talk about trials, when we talk about temptations, when we talk about Christianity. And that we should be mindful to really look in words and to really digest and chew on those words because that's where it starts. And I used to say this, that I don't know why we Christians, we like to rush when it comes to the Bible we we'll give ourselves setting goals. I want to finish the Bible in six months and four months from Genesis to Revelation. And I ask myself this, that, I mean, you have the Bible with you to leave this earth, so why are you rushing? Where are we going to? You have it. You have it to chew on. You have it to digest. You have it to let it sink in so that it will do the work that it wants to do. And I pray the Lord will help us. Shall we rise?